morning. I've asked Matt to, uh, to join me this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the impact of our serving together. Today's our last uh, Sunday in our Together United in the Gospel series. And what a great time we had last week being united with the body of Christ. City of Refuge was here with us, our worship team. And how about Pastor Neil and that message last week? That's not your time yet. But. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm Why? confused. What's going on right now? Oh, this is a Tootsie Pop. Okay. I'm going to call Pastor Neil's message the Tootsie Pop message. <laughs> right? If you weren't here last week, you just got to get online. Oh, Matt, I'm sorry. How rude of me. Listen, here's something for you. Thank you. You, you know what that is? What is this? That's a Charms Blow Pop. And? You know what's in the middle of that? Nope. Gum. Ah. You know what's not in the middle of this? What? Gum. Ah. <laughs> I, I talked to Pastor Neil after the service. I thought he was pulling my leg. He thought all these years that that was brown gum. He would chew it and spit it out. <laughs> I decided to help him out, sent him a package. Of? There was a bag of uh, Charms Blow Pops on the top labeled, this has gum. There's a package of Tootsie Pops labeled, this does not have gum, <laughs> with an arrow drawn to the word Tootsie. <laughs> and I was kind of not in the best frame of mind. In the bottom of the box, I threw in a package of dum-dums. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's take a minute and reflect on our service last week, and then we'll talk about it. Hey Church, Pastor Jason here at LKQ, and I just wanna say thank you. We've been in a series called Together, United in the Gospel, where we've been challenging each other to worship together, pray and fast together, and then to come alongside each other and serve together. We did that right here at our Feed the Need event, which supported the war-torn country of Ukraine by packing thousands and thousands of meals. Let me tell you, we couldn't have done that with one or two people or one or two classes. It took an army. And as a result, our community is impacted, our church is impacted, even the globe is impacted. So thank you. Some of you prayed, some of you gave, some of you put on a hairnet and you sweat to help pack some meals here. We are so grateful for what you were able to do right here at LKQ. If you weren't able to be here at our Feed the Need event, here's a little recap of what God did in using you to impact the globe. So Matt, I ask you to come up because you saw the, the benefit of serving together from several different angles. Let's start with family, being able to involve your whole family in serving. Yes, so Kelly and my two boys joined us. Uh, it was kind of funny though, Tacos for Life was part of this, and my boys asked me, how are we going to ship tacos all the way to Ukraine? <laughs> and for a second I thought that was a good question. 
But it turns out, you guys saw we uh, packed these packages with rice and soy and vegetables and vitamins. And these two guys right here, along with a lot of other kids in this church, were helping us do this. And afterwards, we had lots of conversations about it. They were moved by the thought that these packages are going to be shipped overseas to the Ukraine, where families are going to open these things and eat. And it moved my boys. Yeah, we saw many, many families gathered there last week. What, what about, and I don't know if this happened at your packing station, I saw a lot of multi-generational work being done. Yes. So, again, me and Kelly, our boys, we had um, the McCoys were at our table, the Ketchums were at our table, and then uh, I met a few new people, a lady named Cheryl that works in the uh, Shepherd's Corner, and then a guy named Casey Key was one holding all the boxes, and so it was everybody from six years old up until Careful. the McCoys age. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> Very well stated. You know, and then I didn't even realize, I knew we had Neil's Church joining us, possibly Mercy Church with Scotty. There were five different churches that were there a part of that. How does that help our witness in the, in the community? Yeah, well, it, it helps our witness because um, we get to lead out. I talked with a lot of people from other churches that were thankful to be a part of something like this because, let's face it, Ukraine, the, the news about Ukraine is all over the news and it's everywhere, and people want to do something, and so it allowed these other churches, these smaller churches, to be a part of something, and so they were very happy to be there and helping out. Yeah. Now, I'll say this. Last Sunday was not a new thing for Geyer Springs. You know, we've gone back 20-plus years to Sheriff Fest and Barnabas Projects and GS Fest here. We've always had a great group of volunteers. Our people love to serve the community. Our next, um, next major community event is going to be the Harvest Fest out at Raymar. And of course, Raymar is a major community place. We do Upward Sports, Harvest Fest, the uh, Easter Extravaganza, the Fishing Derby that, that you helped put on back in May. But in thinking forward, that next major event is in October, and we do maybe three or four a year church-wide. But I happen to know that you um, have seen the need to, to do some smaller things involving groups of people, specifically through your Sunday school class. So tell a little bit about that. Okay, so I'm going to start with this, kind of going off script for a second. Yeah, I'll be careful. Watch the time. Yeah. So Thursday, a homeless guy showed up here at the church and needed some help. And uh, I asked him what he needed. He said he wanted to get to a library. I said, okay. So we took him to the Benton Library. Somebody from the church here gave him a slice of pizza. I asked him if that was enough. And he said, yeah, this is good for today. One slice of pizza was good for today. He said, but can I get a drink? And I said, sure. And so we stopped at a gas station. Now, church, let me see how quickly you can do math. We walked into gas station to buy a fountain drink. He walks over to the fountain drink. He looks at it. He says, hey, can I get a 44-ounce? I said, sure. And he goes, it's $1.79. He goes, do, 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 do. That's $1.99 after tax. That quickly, he knew exactly how much he was going to spend and asked me, is it okay if I spend $2? And I said, of course. We got in the car later, and I asked him, I said, how did you do that math so quick? This is a homeless man who said, listen, when you're on a nickel and dime budget, you know exactly how much you can spend before you get to the cash register. That pierced my heart. And so we took this guy to the library. We actually bought him, even got him some clothes. He needed a change of clothes. And so the thing is, is this, this community is surrounded by people who are homeless and hopeless and need help. And so our Sunday school class right now is helping a place called the Alexander Outreach Community Center. Actually, Terry Harper, who's a member of this church, is the one that started this ministry years ago. And what our Sunday school class does is this. One Monday a month, we go to his outreach center and we feed families that are struggling. That, that might be the only meal they have that day. And I'm talking about families of a husband, a wife, and three kids. 
And this might be their only meal that day. People that are coming from homes that, that may not have doors or windows, electricity or plumbing, and they're coming there to eat. Folks, this place is about three miles from this church. We are surrounded by the hurting, homeless, hungry. They're right here. If you can't travel around the world to help somebody, you can go right around the corner here and help somebody. And so our Sunday school class is plugged in doing that right now. Yeah, we really don't have to look very far nope. to find places to serve. Nope. They're all awesome. around us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for what you're doing and, and leading your group. And, um, can you do some of that? Can I keep this too? You can keep that too. Okay, that, now, I've only licked that seven times if you're keeping count. How many licks to the center? 250-something? I don't know. Thank you, Matt. And let me thank, uh, yes. Let me say thank you to other leaders who are encouraging those uh, that you lead to serve. I, I fully recognize I don't know all that's going on. From time to time, I'll hear about a particular ministry that a group is doing that I've never heard of before. It's because you simply understand the call of God to serve, and you're out being the hands and feet of Jesus. Turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. While you're turning there, let me say it's been a lot of fun and a great expression of unity these last several weeks to come together for worship. Uh, if you're new to Geyer Springs, we have two different worship experiences, and we're fine with that. We know that some people have different preferences on how they worship, and even when we're apart in worship, we know that we are united in Christ and in this church. But it has been good to be together for a season. And uh, John and Tyler, I appreciate you leading out in that. And I know they're looking for other opportunities from time to time that we can come together. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to take a few minutes this morning to be reminded of our unity and, and our oneness and the importance of the service of every member of the body. Now, it's going to be, we're going to hit most all of chapter 12. It's going to be a very broad overview this morning, but we're trying to hit two themes here in 1 Corinthians 12. One is the importance of serving, and the other is just the importance of being connected and, and how important that is to our serving. In verse 1, you see Paul introduces the importance for believers. He, he clearly is addressing believers. He calls them brothers. Important to understand and be informed regarding spiritual gifts. In other words, it's not okay to be a part of the body of Christ and say, well, well, that's not for me, or I, I don't really care to, to know about that. That's not something that I'm going to be a part of. But he says um, we need to, as the body of Christ, be informed. Verses 2 and 3 may, may look kind of odd. Basically, Paul's just addressing the fact that the Corinthians came out of a very pagan culture. Uh, in that culture, they worshiped uh, many idols, and they were easily led astray. And, of course, there were false teachers in this Christian church that preyed on their ignorance. So it'd be very easy for the uh, Corinthians to be led astray and, and even to allow demonic activity in their worship. You can see he says that, that there are some who would claim to be in the spirit and say Jesus is accursed. Well, that, that's not the spirit of God. If you have the spirit of God, you declare that Jesus is Lord because everything the spirit does in and through individuals, in and through the body of Christ is going to honor Jesus. Now, in verses 4 through 11, he's going to give some instructions on spiritual gifts that are given to the believer. And those gifts are to be practiced, are to be used in the church, also outside the church, but primarily these gifts are given to build up the church. You see in verse 4, the phrase varieties of gifts, many different gifts. And, and the list here is not exhaustive. Um, if you want to look all through the New Testament to find the list of gifts, you'd have to go to Romans chapter 12. You'd have to, and we'll do this in a minute, drop down to verse 28. So it's not an exhausted list of gifts, but he's saying it's a varied list. Just as 
We have been created with, with different or, or various personalities and temperaments and natural abilities in the same way he has gifted each of us uniquely. There are speaking gifts. There are serving gifts. There are gifts that are typically exercised more publicly and others that are exercised more privately. But notice that he says the variety of gifts are given by the same Spirit. We are under the control, under the direction of the Spirit of God. And it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who makes decisions about our gifts. We don't just decide, I want this gift, that gift. He makes a decision about our gifts. Why? Because he knows best. He knows us best. He knows how God designed us to fulfill the purpose God has for us. So we have to trust the Holy Spirit in his distribution of gifts. Verse 5 he says not only varieties of gifts, but varieties of service. You may have the same gift as another member of the body, but serve in a different area. That, that service is directed by the Lord. We all have, just like we have the same spirit, we have the same Lord. So we trust the Lord to lead us in how and where within the body that we exercise our gift. Verse 6, variety of gifts, variety of service. Verse 6 says varieties of activities. So there are different situations, different circumstances where our gifts may be used. There's different working of those gifts, and there'll be different outcomes as those gifts are put to work. But here we go again, it is the same God. God is the one who empowers, and God is the one who activates your gift. The gift is given, gift or gifts, you may, you may have more than one, the gifts are given to you as a believer, but it's all about God. Your gift is not about making you look impressive. Your gift is about making sure that you're revealing how powerful and how impressive God is. So the gifts are his and they're given for his service. Verse 7, your gifting is the sovereign work of God. Notice verse 7, each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation means to make, when you manifest something, you make it visible, you make it obvious. You're given gifts so that the existence or presence of God's Spirit becomes evident. When you use your gift, it's clear that it's a reflection of God and it testifies to the power of God. No matter how gifted you are naturally, you can't exercise your spiritual gift apart from the power of God. But, but look what he says, each is given. Each what? Each believer. Every believer. Every one is given a gift. If you're on your way out this morning with your, your family, mom and dad, and say three kids, and I stop you and say, hey, I'd like to give each of your kids a gift. I want to give them $5. Who would I give the $5 to? One child? Two child? No, all three. You understand when I say each one, it includes everyone, and no one is left out. Well, understand as a believer, whether you think you have something to offer the body of Christ or not, if you're a believer, you have a gift. Now, you may not recognize your gift, but you have one or more than one, and you are responsible for using that gift in service. Who are you responsible to? Well, you're responsible to the Lord, certainly. He's given you the gift, but you're also responsible to this body. Because that gift is not just given for you, and you're not the only one who will miss out if you don't use your gift. Look what he says. The gifts are given for the common good. They are for the benefit of the entire body. Now, when you use your gift, will you be affirmed? Probably. 
Will you be fulfilled when you use your gift? Absolutely. There's certainly benefit to you for using your gift. God has made you for a purpose and for his works, and he's gifted you. But when you're obediently serving and accomplishing what God has for you, there's great fulfillment. But that's not why, or that's not the only reason that you exercise your gift. He says it is for the benefit or the profit or for the advantage of others. The whole body is served and the whole body is helped when you use your gift. Conversely, when you don't use your gift, the body suffers. The body is not able to do all that God has called it to do. Now, he starts in verse 8, and in verses 8 through 10, he lists nine different gifts. Remember, this is not an inclusive list. It's not an exhaustive list. There's not time for me to cover today everything you need to know about the gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. But let me assure you, when we wrap up in a few moments, I'm going to give you some help on that. But let's look at these that are listed here. Verse 8, the utterance of wisdom. Obviously, with the word utterance, that is a speaking gift. It's the ability to, to understand and to communicate the, the biblical truth in Scripture in such a way that people know how to apply it to their life situations. Secondly, here in verse 8, he lists, and this is closely aligned, the utterance of knowledge. That's a person who, who, who has this gift, is able to understand the deep things and the mysteries of the Word of God. This person loves to, to dig in and to study Scripture deeply and investigate the truths of Scripture. Verse 9, the gift of faith. Now, all believers have some measure of faith. You have to have faith in order to come to the point where you can trust Christ. But the gift of faith is a strong, unshakable confidence in God and his word. Typically, someone with the gift of faith is the person that you would describe that's listed in James 5.16, the person who um, prays in an effectual and fervent way that accomplishes much because they have a strong confidence that God will do what he has said he's going to do. Also in verse 9, gifts of healing. It's pretty clear that's the ability to be an instrument that God uses to heal people today. Now, does God still heal people today? Yes. There is no biblical reason that the Holy Spirit could not empower an individual with the spiritual gift of healing today. No biblical reason at all. But as you look through Scripture, it's pretty evident this particular gift of healing seems to have been limited to the time of Jesus and the time of the apostles. Why did they heal? They didn't heal just to heal, just to make people feel better. The gift of healing was given to validate the gospel message because as of yet, they didn't have the scriptures that we have today to testify to the gospel and, and testify to Christ. Now, miraculous healings still occur today. Some of you have experienced miraculous healing. Some of you have, have baffled the doctors that have worked with you on an illness. You've experienced a touch of God, but you've experienced apart from an individual. And here's the point I'm trying to make today. I don't know that the gift of healing, as far as that gift being given to an individual today, I don't know that that happens like it did in New Testament times. And the reason I really struggle with that is most of the time today when you see someone who claims to have the gift of healing, all the attention and all the focus is not on the Lord. Who's the attention and focus on? It's on that person. It's on the healer, and they're stealing glory from God. Verse 10, and I could make the same speech here, the working of miracles. That's the ability to perform supernatural events that can only be attributed to the power of God. And you see this through the New Testament. Paul had this gift. Peter and Stephen and Philip all demonstrated this gift, but like 
healing. It was probably a temporary uh, sign gift used to advance the gospel. Does God still work miracles today? Absolutely. But if you see someone who claims to be a miracle worker, you need to ask uh, who's getting the glory from the miraculous works that they're doing. Verse 10, the gift of prophecy. Basic meaning of prophecy is to, to speak forth. So someone with the gift of prophecy speaks forth uh, the truth of God in order to influence people. That speaking forth might include simply declaring the purposes of God. It could include reproving uh, sinful people. It could include giving divine direction or encouragement to believers. Now understand the gift of prophecy is not about predicting the future. It's about proclaiming the future as it is written in the word of God. Next gift, verse 10, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Well, what is that? Matthew 24, Jesus said that, that in the end time, many would come in his name and would deceive many. So the gift of discerning between spirits was given to protect the church and to keep it pure spiritually and doctrinally. This gift means that, that you're able, if you have this gift, you can tell whether a message is a true message from God or whether it is deception and erroneous doctrine that comes from the evil one. That's the gift of discerning or distinguishing between spirits. And then finally, you see, and you would expect this, you hear much about this in our day, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Um, I believe these were temporary sign gifts. They were given to the early church for a time and a season for the purpose of advancing the gospel, making sure the gospel was preached all over the world to every known language. You see an example of that in, in Acts during Pentecost when there were people from many different languages gathered in Jerusalem and they all heard the gospel in their own language. The gift of tongues means that a person was able to speak a language, not gibberish, but speak a language unknown to the speaker. And the interpretation was that a person could hear a language unknown to him, but be able to interpret that or communicate that message to others. Can the Holy Spirit give this gift to a person today? Absolutely. He gives them as he will. He gives them as he determines is necessary. But if I see or hear someone claim to have the gift of tongues, I'm always inclined to ask, what is the purpose and to whom does the glory go? Because when we exercise our gifts, it's to glorify God and to build up his church. Now, drop quickly down to verse 28 with me. You're going to see some of these gifts repeated, but four additional gifts here as well down in verse 28. You see, he says that he gave to the church apostles. Now, that can refer to the office or the gift. What do I mean by the office? Well, there were 12, actually 13, who had the office of an apostle. It was the, the 12, you take Judas out, put Matthias in, and then later Paul is added to that group. What, what's required to hold the office of apostle? You have to have been a witness to the resurrected Christ. You had to have been an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. You say, well, what about Paul? He, he wasn't there. Well, he was a witness to the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. So you had to be a witness to the resurrected Christ. You had to have been explicitly chosen. The, the Spirit of God had to choose you to be an apostle. You have to have the ability to perform signs and wonders, which they all did, and they all also had the authority to write Scripture. Now, God gifted these 13 men because they were the ones who laid the foundation of the church. And that office no longer exists because no one alive today can meet those criteria. 
That's the office, but there's also the gift. The word apostle means one who is sent out, and the Spirit today gifts some people uniquely to be sent out. They're not establishing the church. They're not laying the foundation, but they are building the church. They are leaders who are not afraid to take risks. They are leaders who uh, rise to difficult tasks or difficult challenges. They're typically entrepreneurs. They're typically people that we would call uh, influencers. They're very comfortable in challenging environments, and they have no problem reaching across cultures. And you would probably see and understand this, that typically missionaries and church planters have the gift of apostleship. Look also, next, next gift given there, verse uh, 28, teachers, people who have the ability to explain the context and meaning and application of Scripture. It's a unique ability to be able to take the truths of Scripture and communicate them very clearly, especially difficult topics like doctrine. Those who help or those who have the gift of helping, that's someone who can render aid or assistance with compassion and grace. And understand, that's not just talking about rendering physical aid, it's even, it's even spiritual aid. Someone with the gift of helping can identify someone in the body who, who perhaps is struggling spiritually. Maybe they're having some doubts or having some fears, and this person with the gift of helps can move toward that person with a kind word of compassion and, and, and grace as they approach them. And they're able to speak the truth in a manner that's both convicting and loving. That's a gift of helps. And then finally, the gift you see here, administrating or administration. In, in other places in Scripture, in Romans, it might be called ruling or leadership, and it is what it says, it's the ability to lead. Uh, that gift, this gift, administration, keeps the body um, together by maintaining order. Now, an administrator can be uh, good in one of two areas. They can be a person who's really good at, at organizing things and events and programs, or they can be a person who's really good uh, at, at organizing people. They emphasize personal relationships and, and responsibilities. You typically don't find both of those in the same person. And I could go down the line with each of our staff and tell you whose people and whose things. It's, it's very, very obvious, and both are needed to keep the body in order. Now, very quickly, let me mention some of the other gifts not, not mentioned here. Don't get overwhelmed with this. I'm going to give you some help when we get to the end here this morning. These are out of Romans 12. The gift of exhortation, that's the ability to motivate people. The gift of shepherding, looking out for the spiritual welfare of others. The gift of evangelism, being able to declare the gospel, lead others to Christ. Now, hear me. I need to pause here. Don't say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, that's why I don't share my faith. No, we're all called to share our faith, but some people are uniquely gifted to be able to call people to faith in Christ. Mercy, uh, that's a person with compassion that leads to action. Giving, someone who gives joyfully and freely. That, they don't even think about it. They don't calculate it. They just freely and joyfully give to expand the kingdom. And then the gift of hospitality, helping people feel welcome and appreciated and wanted. All right, back up at verse 1. Paul says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, if you don't already know your, your gifting, and if you don't know how God wants you to use those gifts for his glory, you might be completely overwhelmed right now. Hang on. I'm going to tell you how to determine your gift. I'm going to tell you how to find your place of service where you need to apply your gift. But listen, if you're here this morning, and this is true of many of you, and you know you're gifting, and you're not serving the body, not only are you being disobedient, but you're missing an incredible blessing that God has for you as you exercise your gift. 
And, and what I'm trying to do this morning, what I'm trying to communicate this morning to all of you gathered here, um, to those of you online, you're necessary to the health of this body. We're not healthy if every member is not doing his part and her part. You're, you're called by God to serve the body. And as you serve the body, you, you help us grow and you help us be healthy and strong. And let me say to those of you online, you can't serve the body from your couch. And let me say to some of you who are here every other week, you can't adequately serve the body showing up one or two times a month. Every gift matters. And when you don't open your gift and when you don't exercise your gift, the body is not accomplishing all that God has for us. You're vital and you're needed and you're necessary. And if we as a body of Christ are going to be united and together in Christ and in the gospel and in the work that God has for us, it takes everyone. Now, Paul follows, this, this is so perfect, Paul follows his teaching on gifts with a vivid illustration of the importance of every one of us doing our part. Get your copy of Scripture and look with me in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. This doesn't need a whole lot of commentary, but let's just read through this together. As Paul has laid out the fact that we're given gifts, we're expected to use those gifts, and the body's not healthy unless everyone is doing their part. Look at the illustration he lays out here, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. He's saying, look, you, you can't say, I don't have that offer. I, I, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have much to offer. I can't do much. No, the parts that are weaker are indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving a greater honor to the part that lacked it. You know, if you have a more public upfront gift like I have, and I didn't ask for it, didn't really want it, but if you have a public upfront gift, there's some lesser parts of the body, some private behind-the-scenes gifts that you need. What would I do without the people that serve running sound and running lights and running projection? This time would not be very effective without that. If you have a greater gift, you need to recognize that there are many who support you in that gift. What would I do without the worship service volunteers that are taking care of younger children right now? Be chaos in this room. 
<laughs> yeah, it's your kids, that's why you're laughing. Greater honor to the part that lacked it, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. It doesn't matter what your role is, we're all equal here. We're all the same, we care for one another. Look at verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together, and that's true, if your suffering is brought on by yourself because you won't use your gift, we're all suffering. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 28, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So together, we're the body. The body isn't made up by a handful, by a core central group. All together, we're the body. We, we study the word together. We, we grow together. We encourage and challenge each other when we're together. We serve together. Our mutual love and concern is what binds us together. We need each other. Let's say that. We need each other. We need you. You need me. I need you. Turn to your neighbor, both sides. Say, I, with conviction, I need you. We, all of us, are the body of Christ, many members, one body God has brought. Listen. You didn't join this church because you were new to the city and you happened to drive by and see it because you got online. You didn't join this church because you had a friend here. You joined this church. You came and identified and connected with this church because God sent you to this body. And together we make up the body and together we serve the Lord. We're all in this together. There's no one greater, no one lesser. We're all in this together. There's a really interesting line in the Devotion Thursday. By the way, today's, today is today 20. Um, I've done pretty well. One of the things I gave up was sugar, but I guess I just violated that with the seven licks. <laughs> but hopefully, even if you messed up on the fast, you're reading the devotions. Thursday had something really interesting in it. I don't know who wrote Thursday. Some of our staff have written these, but Thursday had this word in it talking about our time of the word, lean in deeper with the expectation of living it out. You see, what I'm calling on you to do this morning is to lean in deep to what we just read in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body, about every member being necessary, about every member having a gift. Lean in deep to that with the expectation of living it out. Now, those of you that your minds are whirling, you're saying, you told me all that stuff and you said you'd tell us and I don't know what to do. Let me tell you how to discover your gift and how to find your place of service. There's a small insert in your bulletin in this, this morning that at the top simply says, I will. There are several needs that are lifted there, listed there. If you already know your gift, you already know what you're passionate about, you just pick your spot that you want to serve. If none of those jump out at you, there's a little box to check, well, I want to serve, but I don't know where or how. Now, look at the last box. This is really vital for many of you in the room because you don't know what your spiritual gift is. You don't know what your ministry passion is. You don't know where there are needs of service. You need to be plugged in. You see that box that says, I would like to take the serve class, August 14, 21, 28, 11 a.m. Kim Bailey, who, who works with member assimilation, Kim has a class that walks you through your spiritual gift, helps you discern that. 
your ministry passions, what's really important, what's on your heart. Helps you put those things together and some other inventories as well and find the place you're best equipped to serve. We actually just completed a serve class, but she's agreed to go ahead and put another one on the calendar. Hopefully that many of you in this room this morning that understand God's command, his giftedness to you and his command that you use those gifts will say, okay, I got to lean into this with the expectation that I'm going to obey, that I'm going to follow through. That's the way you do that. You go those three weeks, I promise you, your Sunday school class will hold your chair. They won't let someone else get in your chair, okay? But you go those three weeks, you need to check that box, you need to put it in the basket as you leave this morning so we know, we know how big a room and what, what to prepare, but you go those three weeks and I promise you it's going to be incredibly spiritually eye-opening if you don't understand giftedness and how God has called you to. Folks, we're the body. Together. Together we're the body. Together we're gifted by God. Together we use those gifts in service. It takes all of us. If you cut off your hand, it's going to be tough. And some of you have lost different parts of your body, and you could give testimony to the fact that, yeah, you can adapt and you can get by, but it's not the same as having full function. We want to have full function as the body of Christ as we move forward with what God has called us to do. So let's lean in. Let's lean in to the teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 and make sure that we're all being obedient.